You're listening to another life-transforming message from our campus pastor, Vince Craig. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. Let's go. Yeah, Jesus is king. Amen? Amen. Have a seat. Band, you guys are freaking awesome. Can I say that in church? I just did. You guys are absolutely awesome. Oh, man, welcome. Welcome to church. Christmas is only three days away. I've got to go shopping. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just do it on Amazon. Yeah, it's too late. It is too late. I am heading shopping. So um, we're going to cut this short. <laughs> I got to go get my wife some shoes from Payless. <laughs> Just kidding. I know better than that. I know, I know better than that. Uh, oh, my goodness. Hey, Christmas Eve services are going to be absolutely amazing. They're going to be absolutely amazing. And listen, we're talking about all the fun and Santa and all of that, and that's totally true, and it's going to be an absolute. But listen, what an amazing opportunity to bring friends and family and let them experience the Holy Spirit and let them encounter the true and living God and, be, uh, and, and let them hear the gospel. This, listen, the gospel is good news, guys. It is good news. Jesus loves each and every one of us. He loves us. I want to welcome my, my friend Nick. Nick, can you just, hey, man, thanks for coming, man. So I met, I met Nick on uh, Friday night, um, and uh, I was out getting a drink, and, uh, um, and I met Nick, and uh, we started talking. We have the same birthday, November 19th, 1984, and as soon as we found that out, I was like, bro, you need to come to church. You have to. And he's like, you're right. I have to. So He's here, so welcome, man. Thank you so much for coming. Um, our series is Jesus is King, and I think that's pretty, you know, fitting because Jesus is the King, right? He is King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords, and, uh, and you know, whether you love him or you hate him, uh, Kanye put out a pretty awesome album, and uh, it's called Jesus is King, and so we're like, that's sweet. Um, and uh, so that's been the series, and it's all about uh, how Jesus is king. And this morning, we're going to, and it might be a little bit untraditional because uh, it's, you know, the week before Christmas, the Sunday before Christmas, but we're going to go back uh, in the Old Testament to 2 Kings, uh, to 2 Kings chapter 3. And, uh, and as you're turning there, and, and they're going to put it up on the screen in a moment, um, but I want to give you a little bit of a backstory, a little bit of context, because uh, I'm going to kind of skim through the first section of this of this account. So essentially, we've got four kingdoms at play. We've got uh, we've got Israel. Now, Israel at this point has been split in half, and so you've got uh, Israel in in the north, um, and you've got Judah in the south, and then further south you've got Edom, and then across the Dead Sea you've got Moab, and these are the kingdoms who are kind of at play here. You've got Israel, Judah, Edom, and Moab. Now. Moab is under the control of Israel, okay? And the king of Israel at this time, his name is Joram. Joram's not the best king in the world, okay? He's kind of like, um, uh, well, he's just sort of an idiot, okay? So, so 
we'll get we'll we'll talk more about Joram in a little bit. But he so Israel's kind of ruling over uh, Moab, and and uh, and Moab has a treaty with Israel. They send a hundred thousand sheep and a hundred thousand rams every year to Israel, kind of as a peace treaty. Well, the the king of Moab decides that he's not going to do that anymore. I don't know if he's just like you know short on rams and and sheep or what, but he's like, nah, I'm done with you. And uh, he's like, I'm not sending the tribute. Well, Joram doesn't like that very much. Joram's like, well, I'm going to have to, we're going to go to war then. And so he, he declares war on Moab, okay? And the uh, and first thing that he does is he calls up his buddy. He calls up Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's the king over in, in Judah. And he's like, hey, you know, he sends him a text message or whatever. He picks up the phone and he says, hey, uh, can, can, can we talk? Yeah, what's up going on? Moab is, you know, they're trying to come at me and they're trying not to. And I need those sheep. I need those rams. And then he's like, okay, cool. I'm, listen, Sukasa is my, is, how do you say that? Mikasa is, I'm sorry, Elijah. I just butchered that. Um, so, <laughs> He's like, sure, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Of course, I will come and help you. Which way are we going to go? And they're like, ah, oh, how about we go down towards Edom? Now, in Edom, it, it says that there's a king of Edom, but when you, when you kind of do some research, you find out there's not really a king right now in Edom. He's kind of an acting king, more of a deputy. I think maybe the old king got, like, impeached or something. I don't know. But... <laughs> But they're like, let's go down towards Edom, and we'll go in the wilderness, and, and, and we'll kind of go this roundabout way through the wilderness uh, on our way to, to Moab. And so they take a seven-day journey from Edom into Moab, and this is where things go drastically wrong, right? This is where they run out of water. I don't know if you've ever ran out of some water. This is a problem, right? Like, I remember one time Beck and I were hiking. We ran out of water. It was a big problem. It was summer. And I can just remember these other hikers were walking, and, like, we're looking at their water, like, coveting their water. Like, maybe I could just ask them if you could just. Like, you don't want to run out of water. Now, they're, they've run out of water in the wilderness between Edom and Moab. Now, I've been to the Dead Sea, and let me just tell you this. It is a terrible, terrible, terrible place. A terrible place. It is the worst of the worst. It makes the Great Salt Lake look like an oasis of, like, Fiji water. And, like, it is, it is hot. It is humid. It is disgusting. The Dead Sea, it is a Dead Sea. There is, like, we were swimming in the Dead Sea, right? And, and I had no idea. I'm, like, like little cuts in a, and stuff in my, it's like burning. A little drop of the water accidentally got into my eye, and I thought my eye was going to literally fall out of my head. Like, it was the worst thing ever. And so these guys are in the wilderness over near the Red, to, excuse me, the Dead Sea, and they run out of water. This is a bad place to run out of water, and there's no water around. It's not like they can just be like, oh, that's fine. We'll just go up the street where, you know, there's a 7-Eleven and get us some water. Like, no, there is no water around. So these guys are in big, big, big trouble. Let me just tell you guys, listen, we got three kings Three kings, they're the top officials. They, they rule and reign in their nation. They have all of the wealth and all of the authority that they can have. They are at the top of the game. They are the kings, okay? And here they are in the desert, in the wilderness, and they are helpless. They are helpless. They cannot help themselves. They cannot do, they're completely, like, helpless. Have you ever felt like that, I wonder? 
Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, something has to change or this is not going to work out? Like if, if we don't, if something doesn't give, I don't see how tomorrow happens. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the type of situation that they're in. And they've got armies and, 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 and they've got all of these animals and they've got a whole, the, the, the lot is on the line. There is no water and everybody is going to die. And it doesn't matter that they're the king. It doesn't matter that they have the, all the authority and all the wealth that they could have. They still are helpless. Let me just tell you something. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if the manager. Listen to me. In a situation like this, there is nothing you can do. And so what happens here is Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he realizes that if there's gonna, if if anything is gonna happen, it's gonna because it's gonna be because of God. It's gonna be because of God. Here we go. The title of my message this morning is The Greatest. The Greatest. Come on, somebody. The title is the greatest. Verse number 10, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse number 10. This is what, uh, here we go, we're going to pick it up. What should we do? The king of Israel cried out. The Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. Joram, king of Israel, he's freaking out. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just like, what are we going to do? <laughs> right? We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Like, <laughs> he's losing his mind. He's like, the Lord has brought us out so the, the, so the Moabites would kill us. Now, Joram is not a godly man. Joram knows of God. He knows of the power of God, but he does not know the power of God. He's heard about it. He's learned about it. He knows of God, but he doesn't know God, and he doesn't trust him. I believe that, some of, that there are some of you in this room this morning that you might know God. You might know of God, but you don't know him. You might have heard about him. You might have sat in church. You might have picked up his Bible a few times, but you don't know. You don't know God. Well, that's going to change this morning. Amen? Amen. Verse 11, for the King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. One of King Joram's officers replied, Elijah, son of Japhat, is here. Japhat is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. Jehoshaphat said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, the king, of jo- uh, the king Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went down to counsel Elisha. They realize that they're at the end of their rope. They realize that they cannot fix this problem on their own. And so they seek a word from the Lord. Jehoshaphat realizes, he's like, okay, listen. I came out to help you. I'm in the wilderness. Uh, Don't tell me we came out here without a word from the Lord. Don't tell me that we came. Listen to me. We need a word from the Lord, don't we? Don't go out making big decisions without a word from the Lord. Don't go out, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to move, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You better have a word from the Lord before you act. Anyways, let's keep going. I got Becca said, you got to hurry through this first section. And she's right, I do. Lord, time stand still in Jesus' name. <laughs> All right. 
Jehoshaphat knows that just one word from heaven will change all of this. That it doesn't matter how bad the circumstance looks, if they can just get a word from heaven, that's all that it's going to take. So they go and they, and, they, and they seek counsel to this man, Elisha, who's a prophet. And Elijah says some stuff that they didn't want to hear. Verse 13, why are you coming to me? Elijah asked the king of Israel, go ask your pagan prophets of, the, of your father and your mother. Essentially saying, oh, now you want a word from the Lord? You weren't, you weren't looking to God when everything was good, were you? You weren't looking to God when you're, king, when you're you know, when they're rolling up the steak and you're, you know, drinking the milk and the honey and, and you're on your throne in Israel and everything's fine. You're not giving God any credit. You're just worshiping these cows that your parents used to worship. You, you're, you didn't seek me then, but now all of a sudden when the things that you have been turning to have failed you, now you want to come to me? Oh, no, you didn't. It's funny, but boy, I feel like sometimes we do that. Life is going well, things are good, and we're like, oh, yeah. Oh, crap, now something happened. I better go to church. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I feel like God sometimes is like, oh. here we go again <laughs> on your own. Essentially, Joe Ram's got one foot in and one foot out. He's playing the fence. He's like, oh, I'm a Jew. I'm the, I'm the chosen tribe. But I'm also going to bow down and worship this cow. God's like, no, that's not how this works. That's not how this, that's not how this works. Then it says, verse 13 continues, but King, Ray, King Joe, Joe Ram of Israel said, no, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Again, he's kind of repeating the same thing. He is practically blaming, not practically, he's blaming God for his circumstance at this point. He's just blaming God. He's like, listen, this is, you know, you made me come out here, and now this is, this is where we, you know, truth is, guys, it's easier to blame God when things are hard than it is to give him credit when things are good. Isn't it? Like, let's be honest. Guess what? I find myself in that same situation. Right? The reality is there's two main reasons why we experience tough stuff, why we go through hard things. Two main reasons. Number one, because of our poor choices. Because we mess up. Because we did the wrong thing. And now we are in the, we, we lay, you know, we made our bed and now we're in it. Right? We made the poor choice. We, we did the wrong thing, and now we're suffering the consequences. And, and that's just a reality that, we, that you and I have to realize and understand. But also, sometimes it's just because. Sometimes it's just because. Sometimes you find yourself in a horrible situation, and it's nobody's fault at all. It's just because we live in a broken world. We live in a sin-ridden world, and sometimes bad stuff just simply happens. Joram's like, why has this happened to me? <laughs> Have you ever been there? God, why? Exactly. Why? <laughs> 
But here's the thing that's really important, church. Whether we find ourselves in that situation because of our poor choices or just because, this is also true. God does not have a trash can. God will waste nothing. Paul's words will, will show true that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. That's a promise. We can own that. We can claim that. We can live in that. Sometimes bad things happen, but all the time God is in control. And he does not have a trash can. And he will be victorious. He will make it work for good. And in this case, he uses this circumstance to bring these three kings to their knees before the Almighty God to say, we are at the end of our rope. We have tried everything. We have looked everywhere. We don't have any water. Our armies are going to die. Our animals are going to die. We need something to change. And so they fall on their knees before the Almighty God. And God's like, all right, I got you where I want you. Elijah replied, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives. Ooh, I love that statement. As surely as the Lord Almighty lives. Elijah's like, you guys rolled on your chariots down to Edom thinking that you were mighty. And now you are on your knees. And let me tell you, my God is the Almighty. He is the Almighty. As sure as the Almighty lives, whom I serve. He recognizes who God is, and then he says, whom I serve. Now listen to me, church. This is important. We, you and I, have to understand that the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, Jehovah Jireh, that he is the Almighty God, but then we also have to serve him. We also have to serve him. We also have to lay our lives at the feet of Jesus and say, here I am. Use me. I want to serve you. And he says, whom I serve. And then he says, I wouldn't bother with you except, except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Luckily, there was somebody who actually had some respect for God. And Elijah was able to go, okay, before, because of that guy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And then he says this, now bring someone who can play the harp. While the harp was playing, the power of the Lord came on Elijah. Bring me someone who can play the harp. That wasn't a cue for the band to come up, by the way, just so we're clear. Elijah says, okay, we're going to get a word from the Lord. We got to worship him. Now, I want you to understand that Elijah is in the same mess that everybody else is in. Elijah is also going to die of, of, of thirst if something doesn't happen. It's not like he's outside of this circumstance. It's not like he's got his own little canteen, right? Like, he, he is also out of water. And, and, but, but he says, bring the harp. Bring the harp. I know that we're in crisis. I know that things are looking really scary. I know that, that if something doesn't change right away, that, that, that we're all going to die out here. But we've got to stop. Bring the harp because we're going to worship God. You know why? Because breakthrough precedes worship. Or worship precedes what? How is that? Worship precedes breakthrough. Thank you. I just ruined that moment. You get it. You get it. Because we've got to worship God. Because when we worship God, here's what it does. It gets our eyes off of our problems. 
It gets our eyes off of ourselves, and it focuses us on the King of kings and on the Lord of lords. And so we've got to, in situations in crisis, we cannot say, God, once you fix me, once you fix this, then I'll worship. No, you got to come to God in worship, and that's when something shifts. That's when something changes. First, we've got to go to the Almighty God in worship. we got to say, you alone are good. Now listen, this is really important, too, because here's what Elijah did not say. Elijah did not go, okay, here we go. I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on, let me bring it back. And he said, this is what the Lord says. The dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither wind or rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and all the other other animals. This is what, so he worships God, and then God gives him a word. Listen. What Elijah didn't do is go to God and go, hey, I just, I just need a drop. If we could just have enough, if we could just have it, see, we are all thirsty, and I'm not asking for a lot. I just, am, I'm, I'm, I know that Joram's an idiot, and, eat, and we got this Edom guy over here. Like I really, but, but, but if we could just get enough water, maybe for the warriors and and you know these kings, and you know then you know then no no he goes to the he goes to to God, and God gives him a word, and God doesn't answer him with a word of just enough. Our God is a God of plenty. Our God is a God of abundance. Our God, he says, this whole valley will be full, that the pool, that there's going to be pulled so much, all of your pets, like, yeah, we're going to take care of your horses and your cows, like, we're going to go, but how about the little dog? Like, he's going to have some water, too, all the animals. He's, our God is a God of plenty, church. And so when we go to him, don't go to him like, hey, if I could just get a little drop. I just need a little bit just to. <clears throat> He's going to fill the dry valley from zero, <laughs> from zero to pools. An oasis. I like it. He says, oh, but guess what? You're not going to see wind or rain. Essentially, he's like, check this out. I'm not letting Mother Nature steal the glory for this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, you know, all of a sudden, like, they look at their iPhones and like, whoa, the weather just changed. All of a sudden, the storm's coming. Guess what? It's rare, but it happens in that area. They get these flash floods. But guess what? God made it clear. He says, there's not going to be a monsoon. There's not going to be a storm. I will be the source of the water. All right, let's keep going. No, don't run out of time. Don't run out of time. We got it. I love this. Verse 18 says, but this is only a simple thing for the Lord. For he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. Mm, this is only a simple thing. These kings, they were the greatest in their nations. They bowed before the greatest of all time. They bowed before the almighty God, king of heaven. And he says, Elijah says, yeah, yeah, don't be too impressed. This is, this is only a simple thing. This is easy. 
for my God. Church, how many of us pray and act like something might be too hard for God? Why do we do that? Like, why do we, have you, like, is it just me? Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should pray for that. That's pretty big. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe God run out of power. Like, I don't know. He says, no, this is a simple thing. This is a simple thing for my God. Church, why do we do that? Why do we put this ceiling on our, on our prayers? Why do we do that? I think God wants to tell us, hey, be bold. Be bold. Our job, listen, Elijah, don't give Elijah too much credit. He's just a guy. He's just a guy, just like you and I. He's not super, superhuman. He's not like, you know, this, oh, well, I walk on clouds and, you know, the Lord speaketh to me. Oh, you know, I, like, yeah, he was a prophet, but he was a farmer before that. The only thing that made Elijah special was that he trusted in the Lord. And so he says, this is a simple thing. Church, I am sick and tired of listening to Christians in their prayers acting like something might be too hard for God. He's the almighty king of kings and lord of lords. He created all things. All things exist inside of him. He spoke and there was light. He spoke and there's existence. Our God is the greatest and there is nothing that he can't do. Jesus walked the earth. He came across the coffin and he said, hey, get up. That kid got out of the coffin, guys. This is Jesus. Like I'm telling you, he says, this is easy. This is easy for my king. This is easy for my God. I got to keep going. I got to hang here. There's a whole message right there. Let's go. Let me just credit my wife real quick. My wife's been challenging me. How many of you hate the inversion? Oh, the inversion. My wife gets out on our porch. And she starts praying the inversion away. She's like, get out of here, you nasty air. Push back, push back. And I'm like, what are you doing? You crazy. The neighbors are going to hear you. And guess what? I'm not even kidding. One day, we, she was praying the inversion back. I'm not kidding. The inversion moved. It was in Draper, but it was not in East Sandy. I'm telling you something. She goes to drop off Sadie from school in Draper, and she's like, oh, snap, I should have prayed over here too. There is nothing, there is nothing that our God, there's nothing that our God can't do. Elisha, he's bold, and he's relaxed. He's not sweating. He's not worried. He's not nervous about any of this. You know why? Because he has a word from the Lord. He has a word from the Lord. Church, we need to seek a word from the Lord. When you get a word from the Lord, that's the only thing that matters, and you need to declare that thing as if it was. You see, Elijah didn't just make up something. Oh, yeah, all of a sudden these pools are going to show up. It's going to be so great. No, it wasn't an imagination. He heard it from God. He had a word from the Lord, and so he declared it as if it were fact. Church, listen to me. God's word as in, is as powerful in your mouth as it is in his mouth because it's his word. 
It's his word. So we got to seek and study his word. We got to press in in prayer and we got to ask God, give me a word. I'm in a season. I'm in a challenging situation. I don't know why this has happened, but I need a word from God. And then when you get it, you declare it and you preach it and you say, this is what God has said. Liz and Isaac got a word from the Lord. And so when the, when the doctors gave him a different word, they said, no. I got a text message from Isaac. He said, hey, this is what the doctor said, but I reject it because I got a word from heaven. And so we declared that word, and now, well, come on, somebody. <laughs> Channeling my inner T.D. Jakes up here. Let's go. Oh, all right. feel like maybe we should just, I got to go shopping. Should we just call it? <laughs> All right, let's keep going. <laughs> Land that plane, she says. I know. I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do here. I got some choices. I told Becca, we're going to come to a spot where I'm going to be in a playbook, and I can go this way or that way. God, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? <clears throat> God promises victory. He promises that he's going to come through. He promises victory. Verse 20, the next day, about the time of the, uh, about the time when the morning sacrifices were offered, water suddenly appeared. Boom. There it was. And it was flowing from the direction of Edom. And soon there was water everywhere. Kelsey, the team, you and the team can come up or whatever you guys are planning to do. I'm going to close this thing down. <clears throat> there was not wind or rain. The water didn't come from the storm. It, it just appeared, flowing from Edom. How many of you know that water doesn't just appear, Right? It comes from someplace. It comes from snow melting. It comes from rain falling. It comes from an ocean, a river. But the Bible says that there won't be a storm. It's just going to come. This is how I choose. This is, I'm, I'm just going to show you because I'm going to show you that I am the greatest What's the source of the water? There's a few other times in Scripture we see this kind of thing happening. In Genesis chapter 2, I believe, the Garden of Eden. It says that there was a river flowing from the land of Eden. It was flowing from the land. It wasn't flowing from the ocean or from some sort of stream, but it was, does water flow from the land? Man, like, somebody's like, uh, it's got to come from somewhere, coming from the, it's flowing from the land, and it's, and it's feeding, and it's watering, all of these areas that the Bible talks about. We see it again in Ezekiel 47, where there's this water that's flowing from the southeast gate 
of the temple. Now, this is important because this is when Ezekiel is prophesying over a united nation in Israel. He's also prophesying of something that has not yet happened at his time. He's prophesying over essentially you and I when God would not live in a temple anymore, but he'd choose to live inside of us, that we would be the temple of the living God, as Paul would say, and that there would be a river of life flowing from us. We see it again in Revelation 22, that there's this river flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, where there's this river that's flowing. Where is it coming from? It's coming from the presence of God. This water is flowing from God himself. <clears throat> I want to show you some things in Scripture. I got a few minutes. First, we have Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is from Judah. Jehoshaphat in Judah, can I tell you, listen, John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in four, verse 14, he says that the Word made his home among us, that God came down to earth with skin on. That's what we're celebrating on Wednesday, isn't it? The birth of our Savior. Jehoshaphat was this king who was anchored and looked to a word from God. Jesus Christ would come from Bethlehem in Judah. The word would come from Judah. The word would come to establish a new kingdom. To say, I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. No longer will there be these little kings over here and these little kings over here. I will be king. In Revelation, we see Jesus Christ in chapter 19. He's wearing the sash that says, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the righteous king, the true king, the greater king, the greatest. Moab from the east. You ever, it's funny, you don't see anything about Moab anymore, right? It's just Jordan. You don't hear about King Misha anymore, do you? He's gone. Nobody's singing his praises. The Moabites were messed up, folks, let me tell you that. They were the, they were the, you can get into that story, but that they were so messed up. They had some generational problems, let's just say that. I think this is really important because how many of you know, listen, it says in Ezekiel 47 that the water was flowing from the southeast. Well, the southeast in this situation is Edom and Moab. That this water from, in this situation is flowing out of this, it's flowing out of Mish. Misha is toast. He's gone. Those generational problems, they're existing, but only for those who are still rejecting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, Jesus comes to establish a new kingdom, and he's saying, listen, Misha is going to go away. Kingdoms will fall, but my word stands forever. Listen, it doesn't matter what, how messed up your life might be. You might have some generational issues. Listen, Moab is birthed out of incest. 
the book of Matthew, we read that Jesus comes from the line, that there's a Moabite in his line. What's he saying? I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and it doesn't, mess, it doesn't matter how messed up your life is. It doesn't mess, it doesn't, I don't care what your grandpa did, what your great-grandpa did. I don't care what you did. I don't care about the alcohol issues, the sex addiction. I don't care about the depression. I am king of kings and Lord of lords, and so I will be birthed through that line to show you, sorry, that I am king. Edom. Edom, these guys are descendants of Esau, aren't they, Chad? Just like Chad. Edom means red. That was the joke. Esau and Jacob, remember the story? Esau's the firstborn. He gets the, the birthright from Isaac. He was super hungry, though, wasn't he? And so what did he do? He traded the birthright. He traded it for a bowl of soup. What an idiot. He traded something of eternal value for something temporary. How many of you have been there? Is it just me? Yeah. But Jesus is saying, yeah, but the cool thing is, is that one day I will restore all. Because that king of Edom, guess what? Why did he flow from Edom? There wasn't even a king there. Oh. God just needs a vacancy. Can you just dethrone the false king that's in your life so that God can establish his kingdom in your life so that he can rule and reign and that's where the temple of God will be and there'll be a flow. There'll be a life-giving flow from heaven flowing from your life. It doesn't matter if you've, if you've, if you've messed up before. It doesn't matter. He's saying, I'm here to redeem it. I'm the king of kings and I am the Lord of lords. Then there's the king of Israel. This is probably most of us. He knew of God, but he didn't know God. He camped on both sides of the fence. He played the game a little bit like this. If I need him, I'm going to come over here, but otherwise I'm just going to go back to my ways of doing things. I'm going to go back to God's not putting up with that anymore, guys. Joram fell on his face before the Almighty God, saying, I need something. I need something. Jesus would be born of Judah, and then he'd die. He'd die in Israel, and he'd raise again, defeating sin defeating death and ascending to the Father at the right hand of God to take his spot on the throne of heaven. He's the king. He's the greatest. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's the almighty God. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but if you relate to any one of those, those kings or anything in, anything in here, guys, I'll tell you what. I'm reading this thing going, oh, man, that's me. Ouch, I did that. Ouch, I've been there. But I love it because what Jesus did on the cross made it so easy. He said, if you would just bow before me, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then I will rule and reign in your life, and I will make all things new. 
I'm the almighty God that can do anything and everything. There's nothing that's impossible for me. All you have to do is stop also looking to the stars. Like, oh, I wonder what my horoscope is. Stop it. Stop it. I was reading in the Bible today, and then also I went and felt this crystal, and I just felt like, stop it. Stop it. Oh, I know that God's going to come through, but I'm just going to work really, really, really hard. I'm just going to pray really, really hard, and because I'm going to do it, then no, 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 no. Man, Jesus comes and he's like, you guys are so funny. So he paints this picture. He's like, hey, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But (laughs) if you are abiding in me, there's nothing that is impossible for you. There's nothing. Guys, this is what Christmas is all about. This is what it's all about. It's about us recognizing that Jesus King of kings, Lord of lords, stepped out of heaven so that you and I could have a path, so that you and I could have access, so that you and I don't have to go to a man of God, so that we don't have to do a a list of rules, but we just simply believe and accept him as king, and then he will reign and rule in our life, and he will give us words from heaven. And listen, the crazy thing, just so you know, the whole, you know, Moab falling, Isaiah prophesied about it. It was always going to happen. If we just would get in the Word, His promises are true. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you a word, and when you get a word from heaven, you got to hold on to it. you got to declare it. you got to believe it above every other thing. It's about you and I getting alignment with him, getting before the throne and realizing that he is king of all, that he's the greatest. It's not me. It's not you. It's not your money. It's not your crystals. It's God in heaven. Amen? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to C3SaltLakeCity.com.